We got a special two-part edition here of Ramblings with a Grappleman. Stay tuned for Gambling with a Grappleman, following right up this special edition on weight classes. Thanks for tuning in and hope you enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Ramblings with a Grappleman. I am, of course, the legacy of locution, the archetype of articulation, the professor of podcast. Ah, I like that. I am Matthew Priest. I am just making stuff up as I go here. But today's topic, we're going to talk about weight classes in pro wrestling. So I'm not as prepared uh, as I am. This is all going off the top of my head. I will throw that out as a forewarning. Um, however, weight classes in pro wrestling have been something that's been around uh, for years. When pro wrestling first started, there was you know your junior heavyweights, uh, your lightweight. You, you had a couple different weight classes because it came from the amateur ranks. Um, your Hockenschmidt and Gotch, it was the heavyweight championship of the world, the world champion. And it was a big deal. Um, but it was more amateur driven for... Got really up until the 1950s is when it started to get a little bit, a uh, little bit less um, hold driven, um, and 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 it had that amateur roots started to fade away a little bit more characters a little bit more over the top moves and zaniness, um, and then, you know of course the 60s roll around and you you know 50s 60s George gorgeous George that whole era of um, of change and influence is really what what started the boom, um, him and Nature Boy, Roddy Rogers, a lot of people credit for, of, of evolving the business um, into more so what we know it as today after, uh, you know, 60 years. Uh, you think of 1960 to 2020, it's a long time of evolution. Um, but you look at the previous 60 years before that, from 1900 to 1960, it was evolving then, just not as rapidly because television um wasn't even invented when pro wrestling was was going on but weight classes are something that's always been there it's always been prominent but they've never been featured the way um that they are in other combat sports and like boxing and the u and mma uh more modernly um especially with the ufc but it's always been the heavyweight championships perception has always been the top of the food chain it's the top of the prize it's the biggest stars it goes like that today, and, and in WWE taking the heavyweight out of the name of the title, and they're just the WWE champion or the universal champion, um, and, and some promotions still have heavyweight in there. You're on JPW, they also have a junior heavyweight championship. But I think where the infatuation is, and I know I'm all over the place here, my apologies guys, I do have points to make, but my infa- I think the infatuation to a common person with weight classes and pro wrestling, especially the modern person, where it really gravitated on a, an American television audience would have been the cruiserweight division from WCW. There was a junior heavyweight championship uh, from, from New Japan that was occasionally featured um, in WWE Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask matches. really was a different style. It was unique in its own. And then, you know, you had the, the light heavyweight championship that the, that, that the uh, WCW had in the, early, late, in the early 90s. You know, you had uh, you know, Benoit competing for it and and Liger, and Pillman, of course, and uh, Scotty Flamingo, Raven, former champion there, um, Armstrong, and I believe Otani was the last champion taking it to Japan before it came back, and then you had this influx of of cruiserweight talent that grabbed the attention of a mainstream audience because you had so many people watching wrestling 
that were watching it for Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and Ric Flair and the big stars of WWE and Sting and, um, you know, my buddy Dino watching it for Lex Luger um, and Mongo. <laughs> and, you know, but you had your, your wrestling fans that knew who the stars were and that's who they're watching for are the stars. And then they've got these guys that are getting put out in the opening match on pay-per-view or opening match on, on Monday Nitro or WCW Saturday Night or whatever they're watching, and they're seeing Dean Malenko and Psychosis and Rey Mysterio and Chris Jericho and Juventud Guerrera and all these other cruiserweight stars from the 90s, and they're going out there and they're just having these matches that the American audience has never seen before. These people have never seen anything like it. So they're naturally stoked and ecstatic and they're they're losing their mind um over what they're seeing because they've never seen that pace uh of a, of a match and that pace of a style regularly yes again it was there in the early 90s of wcw 92 happens to be my favorite year in all professional wrestling if i haven't said it and stressed it enough I think the heavyweights were good the light heavyweights were good it was all good not all most good <laughs> um but the 90s WCW, so so there became this fan base that just salivated over the cruiserweight division, and a lot of those guys went on to become big stars. Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, uh, Chris Jericho, are one of the biggest stars in the history of wrestling. Um, Rey Mysterio, I'm gonna forget him, but those guys really transcended weight um, and took it to another level. Meanwhile, you've got the cruiserweights that are under 225 on TNT every Monday night. You flip over to the USA Network and you got your WWF at the time, Monday Night Raw. And their heavyweight champion, their top guys, are a little bit smaller than Hogan and um, Sting and the Giant. But they're more in the vein of a Ric Flair size. They're more in the vein of a Ricky Steamboat size. They're more in the vein of your classic traditional heavyweight wrestling size. They weren't Giants. They were Bret Hart, six foot. 230, 235, 6'1, 235, depending on the billing. And Shawn Michaels, 6'2, 225, 230, what he's billed at. A lot of people say he's smaller. Who knows? We have these smaller guys that are more in the more, more in that flare steamboat, that 230, 240 range. Guys who could move still. Wasn't your Hogan's, wasn't your 300 pound Giants in there. So they're seeing these matches on one channel with. With the luchador influence and the Japan influence, and on the other channel you're seeing that, uh, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels a hybrid of the American style and the lucha style. Bret Hart, you know, the stampede style they say, which was a, a mix of everything. Had the Japan influence heavily, had the U.S. influence heavily, and it took a little bit of the British style. So you got just really well-rounded talents on on top of one program and on the bottom of the other. Um, but you're seeing great wrestling in the late 90s on television, and I think that's where the infatuation with the modern fan came with um, weight classes. WWE tries their own cruiserweight division at the time, the light heavyweight championship. You have your Takamichi Nokus, your Brian Christophers, your um, Scott Putskys were in there. Tajiri had his first shot in there. You had these guys, and WWE... You don't want to say they had the scraps because I would say some of those guys were better than what they had over on the other channel. But they weren't able to be showcased due to time constraints like WCW was. WCW wasn't really running a tight ship. 
They had their top guys, their Hogans, and they weren't putting them in matches on TV. They were coming out there talking, working the crowd up, and they would have, have brawls. Hogan very rarely wrestled on Nitro. Where Michaels and Bret Hart, it was a common thing to see them wrestle at least once a month um, on television. So your top guys on WWF are wrestling, which doesn't give the time to the light heavyweights. We're in WCW. They're getting that time to showcase because... They're the guys that want to go out there and make a name for themselves and work hard and they're hungry and, and they're going to dig in where the, the top guys are, hey, brother, there's not enough money for me, right? So or at least that's the narrative we've been told and heard. So then that's why the WCW cruise rates were able to really catapult and, and launch in and, and, and have this great memory in these fans' eyes, but they had the opportunity to showcase their ability. We're in WWE. Takamichinoku was great. Um, a worker, but he didn't have that. I mean, until Kintai came around, they didn't have that that language barrier that you hear people talk about. Hard for him to be a top top star when there's not like a real good villain to play off of. Then they end up taking too much. Christopher and Taylor making them a tag team. They become um, too sweet, not too sweet, too cool. <laughs> wow, uh, they become too cool and uh, become you know tag team champions, and then. You see the Hardy Boys come up, and they're not really they're in that light heavyweight, but they become so WWE always looked at the 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 weight in a negative connotation. Being weight is less than. If you're smaller, you're not as important. And unfortunately, when WCW died, and really towards the end of WCW, it became the same way because Kidman's fighting Hogan and Mysterio's fighting Nash, and and you know, you have a lot of crossover, right? And that's the beauty of pro wrestling is a little guy can beat a big guy and, and, and that's the thing and it can happen in a real fight. We all know that. But when you look at the flip side of things through the years, the little guy, the big guy, there's this dynamic to it. The David and Goliath, if you will, the story behind big guy, little guy. But when you see a big guy, little guy match every week on television for 20 years, the little guys are always presented as less than, so the less than championship just doesn't mean as much. Um, and really what drove this is I was watching NXT, okay? Finn Balor's maybe 190 pounds. He's, a, he's their, their top guy. He's the NXT champion, right? Johnny Gargano or Leon Ruff, whoever it is at the time of this recording, they're the North American champion, which is their number two big belt. And Escobar, Al Fantasmo, I can't think of his first name. Santos Escobar, maybe. Ooh, it could be wrong there. Don't kill me. Escobar is their cruiserweight champion. A belt with a weight class to it. But guess what? He's the biggest of the three in size. Escobar is bigger than Balor, and he's bigger than Gargano, and he's bigger than Ruff. He, there's no reason this guy couldn't be main eventing shows with the cruiserweight championship. He's talented enough. He has a good stable, a good look. He has everything going for him. But the presentation of the Cruiserweight title is that it is less than the NXT Championship, that it is less than the North American Championship, so therefore he is less than in presentation to the fans' eyes. And it does not have to be the case. And you go back to the, the 205 Live show was presented the same way. They tried to mix the Cruiserweights in with Raw. They were doing a good job there with Enzo and, well, with Neville and then Enzo and Aries, and they had talented guys there. They had time to showcase them. They just didn't connect with the audience. I think Enzo would have really taken that division to 
a more prominent level had he had more time and been able to stick around longer. I think Kalisto is a super talent. Guy like Chad Gable, they have the talent there to have a great division, but the problem is they don't they, they, they the top Vince whoever it might be all down. They view cruiserweight as less than, so they don't showcase it and give it a real chance to be a main event championship. And I think a cruiserweight championship, a lightweight championship, I think any weight class championship can main event shows, can be a top championship people are fighting for if it's presented properly. And you almost got to hit the reset button and change. And I thought AEW was going to go this route when they announced they're going to be a sports-based promotion. I'm like, oh, they'll have a heavyweight championship. Maybe they'll go, my idea for this was they'll have three championships when they launch. They'll have the heavyweight championship, um, we'll call it a cruiserweight championship, and then a middleweight championship. Or for for our podcast purposes and simplicity, we'll go heavy, middle, light, right? So a heavyweight champion, a middleweight champion, a lightweight champion. I'm thinking, okay, WWE's doing 205 live. They were 205 and up. So yeah, you do two, you do 215. Let's let's take something from the UFC here, right? Let me rewind. I'm getting way ahead of myself here. That's how I wanted to close my podcast. I'm forgetting a few things I wanted to bring up. So UFC, right? Their heavyweight champion for years was just changing constantly. You had, you know, in the boom of the UFC, you had guys like Tim Sylvia, um, Pedro Rizzo, um, Andre Arlovsky. You had guys that people knew and they associated with the heavyweight championship as being like, they're the heavyweight champion. They're the baddest guy on the planet, right? But then they watched them fight, and they weren't having very exciting fights. And then the UFC heavyweight division really suffered until Brock Lesnar and Frank Mir fought, and that wasn't even for the championship. Um, but that fight changed the heavyweight division. Brock Lesnar, that's why he was so important to UFC for multiple reasons, but that really revitalized the heavyweight champion because people are programmed that heavyweight is better. Mike Tyson, heavyweight champion of boxing. Weight, we always want to see the big guys fight, right? But in the UFC, the light heavyweight championship is where Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz are feuding with each other. Randy Couture. And you have these guys that become the biggest drawing stars in the UFC. And Mitch Franklin at middleweight gets made by Ken Shamrock. He becomes a a pay-per-view drawing star. George St. Pierre, 170-pound champion. He becomes a star with that boom of the UFC. So these different weight classes and these different champions were drawing big numbers on pay-per-view. Matt Hughes didn't... I loved Matt Hughes. He wasn't a big draw, 170 pound, until George Pierre came along and and dethroned him. And that that was why. He had to beat somebody. The title had to mean something. So I had to throw him with with some star power and boom, to the next level it goes. But but you could put George St. Pierre at 175 pounds, 170 pounds on the main event, and his pay-per-view is going to do just as good as Tim Sylvia in the heavyweight, if not better. And that's where, and that's the that's the big, that's when the boom of the UFC started, right? Now it's it's so 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 sustained and so substantial, and and then we'll get to the Conor McGregor, um, where a 145 pound guy is the biggest drawing guy, and then you need to look at boxing. Floyd Mayweather is only 150 pounds, and he's the biggest draw in boxing. So so a small guy can make money. Small champions can be perceived as the top and it can happen in pro wrestling and again going back to where i thought AEW was going to get there and i'll go into that in a few minutes but where wwe's programming is always done is the little guy can beat the big guy and it goes back to sean 
And it goes back to Brett. And some old timers will say that's where WWE went wrong, was having them be be the top guys. I would disagree. Internationally, Bret Hart was hugely successful. Um, and it wasn't like he was much smaller than Steve Austin, who was 6'2", 250. Uh, the, he didn't look... I mean, he was a little smaller than Austin, but he didn't look like, you know, when Eddie Guerrero was fighting uh, Brock Lesnar or even when Eddie Guerrero was wrestling Edge. Um, Eddie Guerrero was small, and, and Rey Mysterio was small, and Chris Benoit was small. They all, I mean, aside from Rey, but Eddie and, and Benoit, they're legit. Angle, small, but classic wrestler, you know. Um, these guys were legit, and they could they could kick these big guys' ass. But where it happens and where it transitions is that you get the indie style, and then these guys become the stars on the indies, and you lose it. And now they're influenced by the cruiserweight guys. Your Seth Rollins, your Daniel Bryans, your... Uh, we'll just throw Finn Balor in there, and, and these other guys who have were influenced by the WCW cruisers and that style, and they've come along. So now your main event, uh, your, your heavyweight guys, your AJ Styles and your Seth Rollins, what what can they what can what can't they do that the cruisers can do? You know, they they can do everything. You see, you see it, you see that style of high octane, big time moves. Um, a lot of high spots. You see it in the heavyweight championship or the, the WWE championship matches. And yeah, those guys belong there. They're they're excellent and they're great. I'm not taking anything away from the talents. I'm saying that's why a weight class isn't working in WWE is because they're having smaller guys wrestle on top. Adam Cole and Finn Balor are wrestling for the NXT championship. And Escobar and... Um, Isaiah... Uh, Shane Strickland. What the hell is his name? Shane Strickland. Isaiah... Scott, maybe. Um, they're wrestling for the Cruiserweight Championship on the same show. And you have Kushida and Dream. You have all these guys under 220 pounds. They're all fighting each other. And Damian Priest and Killian Dane are walking around, and they look like monsters. Uh, they're huge men. And they're not fighting for a, a championship. Well, da- Damian Priest does. My apologies. But Ciampa. You have all these small guys now, but you have a Cruiserweight Champion. And your small top guys aren't fighting for the Cruiserweight Championship. So, therefore, the Cruiserweight Championship is... Less than. Um, and why I make the point of if you had weight classes in, in pro wrestling, and not to say that every match has to be within a weight class, but let's just say you have a six-match TV show, and this is where AEW comes into play, right? You've got your three belts, your heavyweight belt, your middleweight belt, your 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 lightweight belt. You call them whatever you want. I just said for simplicity purposes, if you listen this far, where we're at with it and why I thought this is the way it should go. Um, when AEW started with their sports-based presentation that they talked about, it was like, here's your chance to get these small guys wrestling each other and establishing that, hey, when these little guys get out there, they're doing stuff that these big guys can't. And when the big guys try it, it's a little bit slower. And if you don't believe me, look at Luchasaurus and Wardlow and that match that, sure, let those guys go out there and try to do that with their athletic. But if you have small guys going out there doing it much, 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 much faster, much, 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 much better, much, 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 much more fluid and much, much, much more believable looking, the fans are going to start to like that smaller weight class, right? So the heavyweights need to do what heavyweights do. Okay, you know. And those guys can be monsters. They and AEW has enough heavyweights. They have enough of those middle-sized guys. And they have enough small guys to have true established divisions where they're fighting for a championship within their weight class. And why couldn't Darby Allen, who let's just say he's the lightweight champion, and we'll just say that's 175 pounds and down, 175 down, you fight for the light. You're a lightweight. 
176 to 204, you're a or to 205, you're a middleweight. 205 and up, you're you're considered a heavyweight. Um, yeah, you know, and that's just my thought. But you, if you put these guys out there, if you put Jungle Boy and Darby Allen and um, Orange Cassidy, and they have enough, you know, I'm sure there's a fourth guy, Kip Sabian. Let's just first guy that popped in my head might not be Sammy Guevara. You've got guys that are clearly under 175 pounds that you could build a division around, right? Then you get into that middle tier guys, and that's probably where your your young bucks are. Um, who else would fall in that middleweight area? Uh, off the top of my head, your MJF might fall in there, right? Um, uh, I'm not looking at a roster, obviously. But you, you, you have talent there. And then, of course, you've got your really big guys, your Brody Lees, your Swaggers, your Jer- you know, and, and your um, Luchasaurus, Wardlow that I mentioned. But then you also have uh, you, you know, Archer. You have some really, really big dudes there. But then you've got your Cody's, your Jericho's. Which could fight those guys and have a believable match. Your Moxleys, your Omegas. There's your heavyweight division, your Hangman Page. So you've got a really good heavyweight division with star power. You have a really, really good lightweight division. The middle area might need some work, but if you've got an MJF there as a staple and he's going undefeated as a middleweight, Sean Spears is probably a heavyweight. There's got to be more middleweight guys. You know, Kazarian and, and, and Scorpio Sky probably fall into that middleweight category. And there, there's a there's enough talent on that roster, and maybe you flux, fluctuate the weights around for star power. But if they're always wrestling each other, um, and you're seeing them do things, it'd be just like when 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 UFC fighters, when you watch the 125 guys go out there and they're banging, and it's a fast-paced fight, um, versus the 250 pounders are going out there. It's it's a different pace, it's a different style, right? Not every fight, and not every match is, and I think you take that believability factor to it. You can make. A lightweight champion, there's no reason Darby Allen couldn't main event a pay-per-view for his championship. If Darby Allen and, and Sammy Guevara are in a feud, they could they could headline over over Archer and uh, Wardlow, let's just say, if that's the heavyweight match. Um, that could be the top-drawing thing. I'm not saying they are. I'm just using it hypothetically. Your smaller weight classes, then I think, can get over. They can main event t- a TV show um, because you only have all three belts main event TV shows. You, you may be the only time they're all three defended as on pay-per-view. Oh, you keep your tag team division the same. Tag team is what it is because you, you, you can mix up weights and stuff like that too. And then, you know, you can still sprinkle in open weight contests where a middleweight fights a heavyweight or even a lightweight. And you have those angles where a guy's trying to, to make a name for himself. It's an open weight match. Um, and those are there. And I know they do that in Japan with the Junior Heavyweight Championship. They have an open weight championship. And, and, and I think maybe that's even another title is an open weight championship. You know, you get four belts. Not that you need that money. I don't even know if you need... You know, if you, I think you can get away with three if they're weight-driven and they're presented all equal. Um, four seems excessive, but hey, the UFC's done it for years and they've gotten away with it, and and they've done a really, really fantastic job of uh, making them all important and all good. But I, I really do believe that weight classes in wrestling can be a good thing if they're presented and, and booked within uh, properly. Um, and again, I'm not ruling out and saying you can't have little guy, big guy, because there's there's a there's a feud for that, there's an angle for that, there's a story for that. But make it mean something, book it properly. Um, especially if you've got a guy who goes, not to say he's jumping up in weight, but that, that's a storyline too. There's just so many storylines you can do um, around the weight classes, and then you know you take your normal stories within the, each weight class. Um, and, and yeah, I mean it's. 
the, I think what happens is we've all been desensitized to WWE, and that's how pro wrestling should be. And we forget to look back at the history. We forget to look back at how it's done in other countries, and we forget to we forget to just just think of other sports and other television um, avenues of how pro wrestling can be present and taking an influence from there and looking at a way pro wrestling can be presented outside of the box. It's easy to book WWE style angles, and that's what AEW has fallen into is they become. Um, their own version of WWE and their own version of WCW, and there's no difference there. They're, they really aren't. I mean, behind the scenes, yes, it's a very different environment. But the show on television, it's it's the same type of same type of pro wrestling show we've seen, and they're not that sports based show that they they said they were going to be. Other than they have win loss record that really doesn't mean anything because they're padding the stats with with squash matches on the YouTube show. Um, and they're like, oh, Sean Spears is on for the first time, first time on television since he got the black glove, and he's won 14 matches in a row. And you're like, I haven't seen this guy. Oh, he's on the YouTube show wrestling people that I've never heard of. So it's 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 inflated. The win loss means nothing. AEW is not promised on that sports space thing. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying this was an alternate presentation by doing weight classes and making it more sports space could draw could be good and taking that UFC influence. Um, and I think a company, and they almost look at like what Raw Underground was doing. You look at what Josh Barnett's Bloodsport is. I think there's a, a you know Sanctuary Fight Club here in Detroit it has a vibe to it. Could could get morphed into more of this the style. But if you if you take it, it, it can be done. Uh, whether it be MLW, ROH, um, or one of these other independent, larger independent promotions, even NWA, I think it can be done again with weight classes. I think it can be done good. It could be done well. It can make sense. And that belt. Those smaller weight class belts can create stars, and those stars can make that championship mean something um, in this day and age in pro wrestling. I believe it can be done if booked and presented properly, and I feel like it's something that, um, you know, if I were opening up a promotion or starting my own promotion, something I would maybe attempt and try to do and, and make it different. Uh, I think you would need a lot of money um, to do that, though. You would need a, you would need a very healthy investment to to establish to bring in the proper talent because you do need talent you you can't you can't do this um, effectively with a thin roster you need you need depth you need at least four four guys in each weight class that really are are could be the champion at any time out the gate uh, four guys where at any given point in time. Um, you know, when, when you're, when you're booking any show, you look at six guys should always be your champion. But I think if you're going by weight class, you need four, maybe you can get away with three. Uh, but I think you need four solid guys to build the division around. Um, and then you need at least four more, uh, to establish the division for those guys to beat. Right. So, you know, you're right there. You're looking at, if you've got three, three weight classes, you're looking at at least, you know, 24 guys. Not that you need 24 for every show. Cause you're obviously not going to put the same talent on every show. Um, but you know you're looking at a deep, deep roster of thirty to forty guys at least if you're going with three weight classes plus if you got a tag team plus if you add the women in, um, which that's a whole other argument. Is could the women have weight classes as well? Yeah, they they, they could, um, you know, um, unless it's a women's open weight championship, and then you know it could be considered um, you know sexist that they're not getting the same opportunities. Um, but but yeah, and and I, I can't speak to the numbers in the UFC. I know. Um, and it, 
it's star driven. It's not so much weight class driven and whoever's there, no matter what it is. But really, you got Amanda Nunez now. You had Ronda Rousey before. You know that one thirty five bantamweight champion seems to be their highest draw. You know, Cyborg Santos was fighting at 145 outside of the UFC, and then when she had a cup of coffee in the UFC, I believe. Um, so you, you do have some stars in different weight classes. Um, but, again, the depth isn't there. The depth is not there to sustain them on the UFC level, and it would be harder, I think. Uh, I think there's plenty of talented women out there. I think if you were an all-women's promotion, you could apply the same uh, principle with three weight classes, and I think you'd be better off doing that in some of these women's promotions. Um treating it more sports-based, making these women be perceived more as athletes. That's actually something I should try to get Allison Kay on to talk about um, as, as a piggyback to this episode because I think that would be something she would um, be able to give a lot more insight on than myself. But, um, yeah, just throwing that out there with, with weight classes and pro wrestling, how I think they can work, I really do. I would love to hear some feedback on this um, and maybe have a follow-up episode or, or something because I know Dude Japan makes it a big deal when guys move from the junior heavyweight to the heavyweight. But And I get that, but I, th- I think it's something where all belts could be treated equally. And there's no reason in NXT that, that Escobar can't be um, looked at as more than the North American champion, and that cruiserweight championship can't be perceived as a main event title. That's that's drawing money. I mean, it, it, 205 Live, people were aware of some of the talent. Um, I, I thought WWE kind of mishandled that um, when they lost their star power. They could have took guys um, like your Daniel Bryan's um, and uh, your Ch- you know I think they did put Chad Gable there, but you could have took some of these smaller guys, your Finn Balor's. Your Daniel Bryan's especially, and um, and Adam Cole, and you could have plugged them into uh, a cruiserweight division, not necessarily the division, but plugged them in, saying, "Hey, I want, to, I want to be the, the the cruiserweight champion." You know that means something to me, and if that means something to Daniel Bryan, who's a star, then hey, guess what? The belt means something that's on pay per view. It means something. But when you got a guy who's 195 pounds and he doesn't want that belt because he wants uh, a different belt. It makes the title seem less than. So that's really all it is, is is the presentation of the belts can be treated equally. Um, they have to be booked equally, and you need depth in all 3D or 4 or 5 or how many divisions you have to really get them over and, and establish uh, stars. And, and then the beauty is, I guess on the indie level, just thought of this popped in my head, on the indie level, maybe you don't need as much depth. You, you know, you really, if you're doing one indie show a month and you have your three champions... Um, with within the weight class, so you've got your you know there's probably six matches on a show as a heavyweight match, um, a, a middleweight match, a lightweight match, then like a contendership bout for the other ones, and then you you you've got you know a slot or two open for for others if that's all singles and you you throw a tag match in there and stuff, but it, it would be really hard to get get talent and contenders over um by not having all those underneath matches um you don't you would almost need to have multiple promotions working hand in hand to showcase showcase the talent um because on a once a month basis it would be it would be really hard and you'd almost need to bring in established names people know to be legitimate contenders that could win uh the championship and be a threat to uh the the, the championship um every every show so it's it's there it's possible something i, w- I would toy around with um and, and like to book honestly um i think i would it would be a, a challenge and something fun and creative for me to do um if i ever had a promotion i might go this route um and, and see if it would work but again i would need a lot of money um that's that's hit the lotto start your own promotion type of 
type of idea there um and then see if it sticks but uh i feel like it would it would it would take a while to stick and you, you might lose all that money before it sticks but it's very very intriguing to me as a fan i'd love to hear what you guys think again um i appreciate you guys listening i've rambled on about weight classes and wrestling for about a half hour now so i'm going to wrap things up here um i'm sure i'll think of more stuff as i always do afterwards but um, I would love to hear your guys' feedback, and, and maybe we can have a round two of this, and maybe I'll get a guest on to talk further. So thank you very much for listening to Ramblings of a Grappleman. I'm Matthew Priest, um, and stick to later for Gamblings of a Grappleman. I will um, be doing the picks this week. Not sure if I'm going to blend them in with this episode or not. I may. And then I also want to really thank Pro Wrestling Edge. I uh, just did their show um, and, and, you know, there's a great group of guys. They're great for the Michigan independent wrestling scene. Um, they, they, they interview a lot of talent. They help get a lot of talent's name out there, get them over and give them, give people a reason to care. And these guys travel to, to all the shows they support. They're a wonderful crew there over the, the PWE pod, Pro Wrestling Edge. Uh, can't support those guys enough. Um, a great group. Uh, Dan, Dan, the main man over there, heading it up. Uh, got a lot of respect for that guy, and he's helped me out a lot here. Um, also, give Knockouts and Three Counts if you haven't already. They've done a lot for me as well, Knockouts and Three Counts. Another podcast I may be popping up on here in the near future, um, but uh, Kyle over there he works really, really hard. They've also got a, got a nice crew. Damon, always uh, um, you know, a really good interviewer um, in his own right. Um, but, yeah, they, they got the hustle. And they, they do their thing. And, and those two those two podcasts have helped me out a lot. I appreciate them, you know, giving them a shout-out here as well. Uh, so, yeah, check those guys out if you haven't already. PWE Pod, Pro Wrestling Edge, that is. Um, and then Knockouts and Three Counts, um, both both great um, local podcasts in their own right. Knockouts and Three Counts does a lot of mixed martial arts as well and has a lot of national fighters on there. UFC fighters have been on there. Um, so they always have really interesting guests. Um, I try to catch as many episodes as I can of both, um, but I, I recommend them to you. If you're bored and you got some downtime um, and you're looking for a podcast, check those guys out. Thank you so much for everyone for listening. Can't wait to uh, hear the feedback on this one. And again, uh, this has been Ramblings of a Grappleman. I am Matthew Priest. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone out there. Happy holidays. We're into that season. Uh, so cherish your loved ones and... Uh, you know, don't hesitate to send positive vibes, and that's what this little part of the episode is going to be. I want to thank Pro Wrestling Edge and the Knockouts and Three Counts podcast, two separate podcasts out here in the Michigan area as well, having me on as a guest this week. It's always fun to, to, to get with those guys and talk some pro wrestling, talk some UFC, talk some boxing and other sports. Um, definitely give them a check out. That's Pro Wrestling Edge. Um, on Instagram, it's PWE Pod. And then there's knockouts and three counts, which on Instagram it's K O and three count and like uh, it's like K O S the number three count. Um, I follow both of them. You can find them that way through a search. Uh, but two two great podcasts again. I thank them for having me on as a guest, and always fun to talk with those guys. And who knows, maybe you'll hear some of them on Ramblings of a Grappleman in the future. All right, welcome back to week twelve. Here with the picks, rambling, gambling of a grappleman. I can't even talk today, but I, but I refuse to uh, do two takes, so we're going with it. Here's your shitty intro, but we got uh, some football picks coming up for you. Myself, CJ, Billy, Dino are back. CJ has four wins and is kicking all our ass this year. Actually, uh, 
did not get the win this week. He thought he did, but he did not. I reigned supreme with an awesome six wins out of 14 games. So, again, you folks out there don't want to take our gambling advice. Um, but, uh, yeah, a, a hell of a week of football. A um, couple upsets. A couple of uh, blowouts. Bad which, injuries. Bad injuries, yes. Yes, uh, are you okay with uh, Joseph Randall Burrow being out for the season, Dino? I'm, I'm pretty heartbroken. Yes. I, I'm pretty heartbroken. I, I, he was having such a good year. That's the first person I thought of when I saw it. <laughs> oh, that sucks. I actually got the text from CJ that said, J, JRB toward ACL, and I was like, holy shit, it, it's caught on, Joseph Randall Burrow. I just kept, I just kept saying, no, <laughs> no way, not Burrow, <laughs> no, I mean, it's inevitable when you have a shitty offensive line, you know, you're going to get beat up, and like, from what, what they were saying before, like the hit before he took, they don't know how he got back up from that, so, I haven't seen that one, but you know. Yeah. So as bad as our picks were last week, I think most of us said they weren't going to be able to handle the Washington defensive line, and pretty much how it played out. Well, what? Yeah, and, and it was interesting because when he got hurt, they were up. They were up like what nine to seven, I think. So like, I guess for the most part, they handled the defense till he got killed. You know, so. Uh, if, if you survive four shots to the chest, are you really handling it or? Well, if you're still moving, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Dino, that was your solo pick. You you had that one. Billy started off the week hot with his solo win with the with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I think those were the only two solo wins was uh, Washington and Seattle. I think we had a couple of splits throughout the course of the afternoon. But um, what a what a terrible four o'clock we had. So you had. Miami getting upset by the by the Broncos. We all picked Miami. Three of us had them as yes, and the Tua getting banged up, and they go to Fitzmagic, which almost happened, and then you know the pick in the end zone. But he drove them down, and I think had more passing yards in that drive than Tua did all game. It's a National Football League. It's hard to win six in a row. Come on. This is true. This is true. Um, and then you know you had Green Bay and Indy. Uh, we have to push. Indy wins by three. The spread was three, so Vegas did know something. And yeah, Minnesota... that fucked me because I had Indy down at two and a half. From whatever spread I looked at earlier in the day, uh-huh. I wrote down at two and a half. So I thought we were betting two and a half, and I was like, well, fuck, I won that. There's <laughs> three when it's recorded, sir. And then uh, Dallas pulling off the upset over the Vikings, and we all picked Minnesota, so we all looked foolish there as well. What the hell happened there? I don't know, but but with the with the Jets and Vegas both losing, Dino and I picked them with the points, and hey, it worked out for us in the end. But we're in Week 12, and we get to start things off with the Thanksgiving tradition. The first game every year on Thanksgiving means so much to us here in the Detroit metropolitan area as our beloved Detroit Lions get to get put on the national stage once again. They get to be showcased on how great of a football organization they are while everyone gets prepared for football, or gets prepared for Thanksgiving, I'm sorry, and they play the Houston Texans this week as the Houston Texans are coming to town. Houston's going to give the Lions a three-point lead to start things out for us gamblers. 
And um, I don't think that that is going to matter because I think the Houston Texans uh, on a national stage and Deshaun Watson is going to look like a superstar. And I said last week that the Detroit Lions were ripe for an embarrassing loss. They were going to get throttled, I believe I said. It didn't matter who Carolina put out there under quarterback, and it happened. And the way this town is, I don't see them winning on Thanksgiving. The pressure's too much for old Matty Patty, and it's it. Houston, I'm going to take them by 10. Billy, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. This is your wheelhouse. I'm sad. I'm upset. I'm embarrassed. Not because the Lions lost. They fucking suck. I picked the Lions last week. What the hell was I thinking? Are you fucking XFL quarterback? Oh, my God. I don't know how many weeks we've been doing this pod, but I think last week was the first time. Maybe I picked them twice. I don't remember. But I know I picked them last week, and I know it was one of maybe two times. Not happening the rest of the year. Fuck the Lions. Go Texans. All right, CJ. You might still be on mute. Yeah, I got it. We're good. All right. It don't want to work. Yeah, I don't know. This is, you know, I don't know how the hell the Lions get shut out. I mean, Carolina's a decent team, but fuck. And I understand they had, you know, everybody on the on the offense was injured. But fuck, Adrian Peterson ran the ball seven times for 18 yards. I mean, why? You know, like, why? And, I mean, you know, as great as that Lions defensive defense is, you know, led by led by Patricia, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's a clusterfuck. It's still a dumpster fire. And uh, I don't know if the Lions are going to win another game this year. So, with that being said, I guess we're going Houston. All right, Dino. First of all, maybe it's just me, but this whole Thanksgiving Day lineup is a – who cares? It's Lions and Texans, Washington and Cowboys, who cares? Ravens and Steelers, we'll get to how I feel about that. Um, God, who cares? And by the way, I'm not, I didn't know when I took Carolina last week that P.J. Walker was going to be starting. Had I, I would have taken him by 50. If anybody watched the XFL, P.J. Walker, he was a standout. He's a stud. I don't care if he was an XFL quarterback. That dude, he was good. Peter Walker's a, stand, a stud. I like him. Anyways, uh, yeah, Texans here. All right, we're all starting things off with Houston. Billy, I'll have you kick this next one off to Dino's point. Who cares game of the week? Washington getting three points traveling down to Dallas. Yeah, that's who gives a shit game of the week for sure. Even though it's on Thursday and the only one on. Um, give me, give me the Cowboys here. No, you know what? I'll take the Redskins. The D-line's just too good. Alex Smith's not playing that bad. Andy Dalton just looks brutal. I mean, I'll take the Redskins. I'll probably lose that one. <laughs> All right, CJ. Yeah, I don't know. This is a pick game, honestly. Both teams aren't very good, but... Washington's been playing well the past few weeks. Dallas has, too, so they're both kind of on the upswing, I guess. With Andy Dalton coming back, you know, that might be... That might be a game-changer, maybe. I don't know. 
but I just have a feeling about Washington. I think I think the old Redskins are gonna are gonna take this one because they're getting they're getting three, aren't they? Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we're going. Uh, we're going. We're going. Uh, the Redskins. All right, Dino. Who gives a shit? Give me Washington. All right. I said, I believe it was the week Dak got hurt, maybe our second week of recording this podcast, that Andy Dalton would would resurge this Dallas Cowboys team. And this this team, as well as they needed, was the Red Rocket. With with Mike McCarthy's leadership and Andy Dalton, that the, the Cowboys would surge. I was proven wrong then. I was proven wrong in subsequent weeks with whichever guy they trotted out there under center. But Dalton's back. They just beat the Minnesota Vikings. It's Thanksgiving Day. Unlike the Lions, the Cowboys typically play well on Thanksgiving. It's a franchise rooted in history. Jerry Dome Ball. They're going to have some big country singer they're singing. I'm taking the Cowboys. They're going to make a statement and make a run for the division. This is a game that I actually am really, really high on. And I'm actually going to say this is going to be one of my big four picks at the end of the podcast. I'm very high on the Cowboys with Andy Dalton. Once again, I could be fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. It could be shame on me, but I, I'm going to ride the Andy Dalton wave of the Cowboys. You're going to be the first person in the history of this pod to have a four-team parlay on Sunday eliminated on Thursday. <laughs> well, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> possibly. But we'll go there with it all last Thursday game. And the reason they have primetime football on Thanksgiving night now is because you got two shitty games earlier in the afternoon. You get the Baltimore Ravens, a credible football club, getting four and a half points as they take on the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, and they travel to Pittsburgh to do it. CJ, you get to kick this one off. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Ravens currently have some uh, people out with the Rona. Mark Ingram being one. I think J.K. Dobbins is another. Uh, I don't think it matters because they're not... I don't know. They're not playing very well. So, that being said, I mean, I guess Jim, John Harbaugh was about to start a fight, you know, with Mike Vrabel uh, at the 50-yard line last week. So, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I think Vrabel would have whooped his ass just because Mike Vrabel's kind of crazy. And uh, he was talking about winning the, wanting to win the Super Bowl or something and chopping his dick off if they won. So, it was... It's, I remember he was some kind of bet he was trying to make. He would give his left nut to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, even though he won like three in New England, but I guess as a head coach, I guess it means more. I, I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, so, yeah. I, and I don't I don't know. I just think uh, the Ravens are trying to pull something off and they don't really have anything. Uh, Lamar, Lamar hasn't played great. But I think teams have figured him out. So I'm going Steelers just because they're undefeated and their defense is pretty stout, man. So, oh yeah, and they got the MVP candidate and uh, Ben Roethlisberger, comeback player of the year too. I know. What the fuck did you say? He called Ben Roethlisberger the comeback player of the year. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the best reaction ever. Look, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, Alex Smith didn't die. Cause, I mean, that would be one hell of a comeback if he came back from that shit, right? <laughs> I mean, they damn near did. did you watch the documentary? He damn near, it was Dino just expressed all those feelings I felt when 
I was talking about the Lions in one sentence. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, I watched that 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 documentary. Did you watch Ben's documentary by chance? No. Heartfelt. The uh, oh, you mean the the true crime? How I raped two women? Oh yeah, I, I saw that too. Oh no, no, no he's that, that allegedly okay, allegedly that, that was well, not even in court, sir. He's won two Super Bowls. And he's got two rape allegations. I don't ever want him winning another fucking Super Bowl. Anyways. That not all that. Anyways. Uh, he's scrambling my brain saying that. Uh, they got to lose at some point. If they go 16-0, I, 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 I'm going to quit watching football. Uh, give me the Ravens. I, I'm with you on that, Dino. And that they're, they're not going to go 16-0, and I think. It's prime time. I don't know if they lose to Baltimore, but I think it's going to be a close game. I know Lamar hasn't performed well in prime time. I know the Steelers' defense is really good. I just feel like this is a game where it's going to be close. Could be some gnarly weather out there in Pittsburgh. Baltimore with the run on the running back room does concern me because I thought this would just be a, a ground-and-pound type of game. I'm still going to take the Ravens. I think four and a half is just too much for, for that good of a football team playing an undefeated Steelers team. And the Ravens have not played well, and they need this game badly to get back on track. So I'm taking I'm taking the Ravens with the points. Billy? Fuck Ben Roethlisberger. Damn it. Um, I, Lamar hasn't been playing the best. Uh... Baltimore having the Rona is a little worrisome. I don't think the defense is as good as people think. Uh, they don't. I mean, they're going to Des Bryant, you know, and that's just not good. Um, that being said, I just don't see Pittsburgh maintaining this. They're not going 16 and 0, like you guys said. Uh, I think Pittsburgh wins this, but it's a close one. I'll take Baltimore in the points. All right. And Dino, you get to go first here. Tell us your thoughts on Tennessee getting three and a half and traveling down to Indianapolis. That's up for them. They're get, what, did you say they're getting three and a half? Tennessee getting three and a half at Indy. Oh, I don't like that. Um, I really like Indy. I really do. Um... I think it's probably a three-point game. So, I guess give me Tennessee. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it's a, it's coming down to the last, last possession game, field goal. I'll take Tennessee with, with the hook. Um, whether they win it by three or lose it by three, I, I'll, I'll take the points on that. Billy? I don't get the love for Tennessee. Last five weeks, they're... They won two games, and it was against the Bears. I guess they beat Baltimore, but Baltimore's been struggling. Uh-oh, crying baby. Um, I'll take Indy. Just make it quick. All right, CJ. Uh, yeah, I'm going uh, I'm gonna go Tennessee on this. It's because when they played a couple weeks ago, they got the blocked punt, scored off of that. They got the shank punt and scored off of that. So it's a 14-point swing. Indy won by 17, so they would have won like 20-17, to 17, more or less, I guess, if you take those two scores out of the game. So it's three points. And I think Tennessee, they, Indy's got that defense, you know, but 
Derrick Henry still ran for 100 yards on him. So I'm going. Uh, I'm going Titans just because I think they can. They're going to run the ball on them. They're the only ones I think that really have, anyways. So we're going Tennessee. All right. Next up, the the PJ Walker led Carolina Panthers are getting four points. They're once again traveling north. They're once again playing in a domed stadium. Actually, they they were home last week, but they're traveling north this time. Playing another team for the NFC North. They're playing the Minnesota Vikings. They're going up there. And I think this is a game where Minnesota is is got to keep their playoff hopes alive, and they're going to do to the Panthers what we thought the Lions were going to do, and they're going to show what a good football team does to a, a de- injury-depleted football team who had one of the statistically ranked third-round defenses that's just coming off a shutout. I think Minnesota is just a better football team than Detroit. They're going to prove it, and it. I'll take them, give them, lay them four to Carolina. I'll take Minnesota all day with that. Billy? Listeners, you want to make a quick buck? Go on with Carolina. I'm taking Minnesota, this is the lock of the week. There's no way Carolina gets up for another game like they did Sunday. They, their defense is just so bad, unless they're playing Matt Stafford. They, they won't be able to contain Dalvin Cook. I, is did Adam Thielen? Does he have COVID, or is he just on the? He's list? on. He's on the, the five day list. He could play. Five day list. Yeah. I, I just Minnesota should blow Carolina out. I'm taking Minnesota. It's the lock of the week. Everybody listening, you want to make some money? Go bet Carolina. <laughs> All right, CJ. Uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm going Vikings. Um, I think they're going to try and keep their playoff hopes. In check. I thought they would go nine and seven. They still have to play Tampa Bay and the Saints. I don't know if they can beat either one of those teams, but an eight and eight team, you know, might might squeak in. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't see how Minnesota lost to the Cowboys. I really don't. I don't understand that at all. And it was like a fucking. It was a shootout, which was, you know, makes no sense. But Andy Dalton. Whatever. But yeah, I'm I'm going. I'm going Vikings just because I think they're better than Carolina. And I don't know if Christian McCaffrey's playing. So if Christian McCaffrey plays, that could be the game changer for Carolina for sure. But, uh, but yeah, we're going Vikings. Dino. TJ Walker is the actual version of what Billy thinks Tua Tungavailoa is. <laughs> what I'm saying is PJ Walker greater than Tua Tonga Vailoa. Give me the Panthers. Oh, okay, okay, bud. Hold on. <laughs> Tua, Tua still technically hasn't lost yet. Neither is a True. Then who's actually started more professional games? PJ Walker. Define professional. That's a throw, man. That's a professional football league.
Oh, I don't think Tua got hurt this game. I think he just got. I think they pulled him and put Fitzpatrick oh, yeah. in. Yeah, they benched him already. <laughs> because Fitzpatrick gave him a better chance to win, I guess. I've been saying that for weeks. <laughs> that is that is a false statement. Tua took a low hit, but I'll let you guys. I'll let you guys simmer in it. When Tua just comes back and Miami makes the playoffs and they go on a little run with Tua, you just you just know. You know. You know who you heard it from first. All right, next up, Billy. Uh, another rookie quarterback in the discussion for Rookie of the Year. Los Angeles Chargers are getting five and a half, half points, and they're going to the Buffalo to play the Bills. Uh, there should be a lot of points scored in this one. It should be a fun watch. Um, Chargers finally got a win on Sunday, which was nice to see, even though I kind of wanted them to lose to get a better draft pick. Um, I, I have Buffalo. I'll take Buffalo. I think they win by a touchdown here. All right, CJ. Yeah, I'm going Bills, too. Uh, it doesn't – San Diego or L.A., whatever, Chargers always keep it close. But, you know, they're either they lead at halftime and then they lose the lead in the second half or they end up trying to come back and they fall short. But uh, but Herbert, he's going to be the rookie of the year. I don't see anybody else taking that spot now uh, since JRB went down. But, uh, but yeah, I'm going Bills. I th- I've got, you know, their defense isn't bad. Their offense is still, you know, still really good. So it'll be a shootout game for sure. All right, uh, Dino. Did anybody else see the side-by-side of Justin Herbert, a picture starting the season, and Justin Herbert now? He looks like he's 12 now. He somehow looks younger, but like he's aged because he's seen some shit. I don't know. <laughs> it's like he was in Nam. Yeah, it, it looks yeah. like he's played for the Lions for 10 years. <laughs> exactly. That... It's stupid, but it actually kind of worries me. Uh, he's, he's awesome. He's had a great year. Probably rookie of the year. Um, but I think, I think he's getting tired already. Uh, give me the bills. Um, I'm going to go off the theory that the Chargers have been in a lot of close games. Could be on the road in Buffalo's tough. Everything points towards Buffalo you know, winning by a touchdown or more. But I just got a hunch that, that it's going to be another close one with the Chargers that gets eked out in the end. And... Five and a half points. I feel like it's a good spread, but I'm going to take the Chargers uh, on this one. Next up, uh, CJ. We've got the Jacksonville. I'm sorry. We got the Cleveland Browns laying six and a half, traveling down to Jacksonville. Yeah, this is. I don't know. I don't like the spread on this game, but I I'm going with Cleveland. Just because I think Jacksonville's so bad, Cleveland's not bad. Cleveland, you know, they figured out how to. They figured out that they're not gonna, you know, throw the ball a thousand times a game. They're gonna hit the ground and pound, and they're gonna, you know, eke it out like that. And it seems to be working for them. Um, they got a shot at the playoffs. I don't know. I don't know because you've got so many teams towards the bottom there, like you know, like uh, the Raiders, the Ravens, the Dolphins. The Browns are in as of right now because they're seven and three, but I think they still have to play Baltimore and Steelers at least one more time. So that could change some things up for them. But uh, but yeah, I think they beat Jacksonville by at least a touchdown. Just I don't I don't know. I heard talks of Garner Minshew coming back, but I don't know. 
you know, they got Jake Luton. He threw four interceptions, I guess, last game. So, all right, no Dino. faith in Jack. So we're going Browns. All right, Dino. Uh, the Browns don't blow anybody out. Uh, so, was it six or six and a half? Six and a half. Yeah, that. Give me, give me Jacksonville on that. I think the Browns will win, but I don't think they win by that much. I think it's probably a three or four point game. I'm, I'm right there with you. I had Jacksonville written down with the same thought in my head that Cleveland probably wins this game. They might win by they might win by seven, but you know Jacksonville's had a tendency to keep some games close. Some games that you didn't think they'd keep close, they they've kept close. Um, Cleveland is going to run the ball. Cleveland, I love the way that the Cleveland offense is built. Jarvis Landry's Jarvis Landry's one of the better third down wide receiver, a good short yardage route runner. You know, they got Beckham to try to stretch it downfield. Austin Hooper, another good chain-moving tight end. And then you've got that dual, that, that double monster in the backfield. And Baker can use feet. I like the skill players they have on the offense. That offensive line is really, really good. They're 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 not a big big play threat team, um, how they're designed, but they're 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 winning football games. You gotta like what Cleveland's doing, and um, I think they win the game. I don't know I don't think they cover, so I'm taking the Jags. Uh, Billy. If Cleveland They've won some games, but they've been struggling the last three or four weeks with the bye mixed in. Looking at their schedule, they do still play Pittsburgh and Baltimore. They play Tennessee next week. Uh, they do play the Jets, so that's that's pretty much a guaranteed dub. I think they kind of need this game for the playoffs. I would expect them to come out and look pretty good and win this game by double digits. So I'll take them. Alrighty, and then Dino. How about the Giants? Laying five, yeah, laying five and a half points. They're they're the dog are the favorites here as they travel to Cincinnati and play the Bengals. First of all, more interesting game than Washington versus Dallas. I'd much rather watch Giants and Bengals. Uh, second point, Bengals lost their MVP. Uh, JRB. He's down. Uh, you said the Giants are giving five and a half? Yes. Yeah, give me the Giants. You know, the, the irony uh, behind that is, is you've been singing JRB's praises all year. You're your beloved Joseph Randall Burrow. And you've been talking about how Tua's going to get hurt every week. And sadly, it was it was, it was Burrow who, who went down before Tua, um, which I, I have to say I am surprised by. Um, but in this game, I I forgot off. I, I had it, and I totally forgot who Cincinnati's backup even is. Um, is it who Ryan is Finley? Oh yeah, that's right, Finley. Um, Daniel, you know, the Giants have been playing better. Their defense is good. I I, I think the Giants. Someone's got to take a lead in that division, and uh, the Giants have probably been playing the best football consistently out of every team in there. So I think the Giants win by a touchdown here. Take him, Billy. Giants right now. 
I think they win that division. I think they're a scrappy team. You know, if you had Saquon Barkley on that team, like it's 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 you know, they could be seven and three. You know, easy. Hell, they could be seven and three now. They almost beat Dallas the first time they played them. Uh, they almost beat Tampa Bay. You know, they almost beat Philly. That's three games right there. You know, it puts them at six and five. You throw Saquon Barkley in the mix. Hell, they could be eight and two. They could be undefeated. You know, like I almost banged the homecoming queen too, but I ended up with my hand that night. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with fucking Miss Michigan. You know what I'm saying? It just happens that way sometimes. But you know, with uh, with Joe Burrow going out, uh, I don't see Cincinnati having any hope of winning anything else for the rest of the season. Um, I don't even think they keep it close. I think the Giants win by at least a touchdown, if not by ten. Just because I think their defense, their defense is pretty good, man. So Daniel Jones is still up and down, but this is what his second year. I think he's kind of figured it out. He hasn't turned the ball over the past few weeks, so rolling Giants. All right, Miami laying seven, traveling to New York to play the Jets. Um, I'm not going to say much here. This is a this is a game that I think is a, could end up being a push at the end of the week. Seven points is, is, is probably a good spread for that. I'm going to take Miami, um, especially coming off of a, an embarrassing loss. Uh, if, if they are a true contending playoff team, uh, this is a game they need to win. They need to they need to come out and play. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to take Miami. Uh, Billy. It's a national football league. You know, like I said, it's tough to win six in a row. Um especially with a rookie quarterback. So you're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs. I would expect Miami comes back and uh, with a vengeance here and goes pedal to the metal. Don't really think it matters who plays quarterback. I think Fitzmagic will get the job done. I think two will get the job done. I don't matter. Give me Miami. All right, CJ. Yeah, to me it's more so about the defense. Miami's defense is, is pretty decent. You know, they're pretty good defense. And uh, even though Joe Flacco is, you know, still heading the offense and pushing the ball down the field, he's not seeing ghosts like Sam Darnold. I still think, you know, it's still Joe Flacco. You know, granted he won a Super Bowl, but the Ravens had a solid defense that year. Still had Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. But, uh... Yeah, we're going Miami. I think Tua plays. I think Tua plays better because the Jets suck. The Jets don't have a, a defense like Denver. I think that's what gave Tua problems because he was under pressure a lot. You know, he's still adjusting. That was what his third game. So you got to give him time to adjust. And I think this is the get-right game for him. So we're going Miami. All right, Dino. You know who Miami really would need to put them over the top. I mean, they're a pretty solid team, but to really make them like a threat in the playoffs. If they put P.J. Walker at quarterback, oh, man, this team would be really good. Uh, it's the Jets. Give me Miami. All right. Only, I was, uh, the only thing I was surprised nobody brought up was that Miami shut them out earlier in the year. It was 26 nothing. so we'll see if Jets have vengeance on their mind. But, um, yeah, I think we're what all... you mean Adam Gase offense got shut out? That's so unlike him. Yeah, no, yeah, very, very high, highly respectable. He's the rocket scientist of offenses, from what I understand. Um, but we got our next game is Las Vegas. Giving up three points, traveling down to Atlanta. Billy, who you got? I'm going to take the Raiders here. 
bounce back game. Carr looks good, man. I like watching the Raiders play football. Josh Jacobs looks like he's a star in the making. The defense looks like they're young and fast. Crosby out of Eastern looks good. I I, I like what Gruden's doing out in Vegas. Give me the Raiders. All right, CJ. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Raiders are playing playing good football. Uh, I think they make the playoffs, and I think they, you know, like hell. It was like we were saying last week, how they won the week. When they beat the Chiefs, they just keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. You know, they run it with Jacobs. Carr's playing. Carr's having an MVP-type season, you know. Uh, and their defense is pretty good, man, you know. So I think the Ravens or the Raiders, uh, Raiders will pull it out. They'll win. I know. I just I hate the Raiders. I don't like having to pick them, but the Falcons suck. Um, fuck them, the Raiders. I'm uh, I I like the Raiders a lot. I I've been high on them, and, I, and they're an example of a football team where you bring a GM and a coach in at the same time. And Mike Mayock, I've always, I always liked Mike Mayock. Uh, on the NFL Network, I, I stopped watching ESPN when I had the NFL Network before AT&T decided to remove it. But Mike Mack was always my dude for the draft. I think he's built a hell of a team out there in, in Las Vegas. Um, Gruden being the right guy, hey, they say give us 10 years and we'll flip this thing around. I love that. Consistency is everything in the NFL. Um, and they're doing it together. And they're, they're showing you what can take. This is what, year three? And um, they're showing you that, hey, this is building towards something. With that being said, Atlanta is in a ton of turmoil. They've already got rid of their coach. They're, who knows what this Atlanta Falcon team is going to be next year. Um, they're in a similar boat that uh, are like our Detroit Lions, where it could get blown up in the offseason. But Atlanta coming off that loss to the Saints, the Saints defense really came up and played really, really good. And I can't see the Raiders... After that big game against uh, against the Chiefs, I'm going to go up-down theory here. I think the Raiders get stuck in first gear early on. Atlanta comes out pushing it, and I think this is a close game. So I'm going to take the points with the Falcons on this. And our next game, Arizona. Giving two points on the road. Going up to Foxborough and playing the Patriots. CJ, this is you. Yeah, I think I'm going to go. I'm going Pats. Because that's in Foxborough. I don't know what the weather's going to be like, but you know it's going to be cold. Arizona's traveling out east. I don't know. Kyler Murray's still, you know, is still Kyler Murray. But outside of that, I mean, he's, you know, him and Hopkins, they don't really have much of a defense. I'm not saying the Patriots have anything other than Cam Newton, honestly, but I think it's a field goal game, you know. Um,. Yeah, I'm going Patriots. I'm going Patriots because I think the weather factors into that. I think they end up winning it out. All right, Dino. I think uh, I, I, I'm thinking the Arizona here. This is not the Patriots team we've seen. Um, they're struggling to win anything. I just I like the I just like the Cardinals. They're just a fun team. Um, yeah, give me Arizona. I think it's a game where the weather could play a factor. Kyler Murray's questionable. I think he'll play um, because he had that. He's got that extra couple days of rest because they played Thursday against Seattle. 
Arizona's been a lot of really tight games. I think they win this thing. Um, two points, them being the dogs, makes me nervous. Anytime New England is an underdog, is nervous. But to your point, I know this isn't the same New England team. And if Arizona um, is the real deal, this this is how they can prove it and prove that they are uh, they are moving forward as a team with a, with a field goal or better win. So I'm going to take the Cardinals here uh, with some hope, which which doesn't get you anything. But Billy, what do you got? Yeah, hope's not a strategy, brother. <laughs> uh, I I can't gauge New England. You know, some weeks I think that Belichick wants to make the playoffs because he wants to look good, even though Brady's not there. And then there's other weeks that they look like they just don't give a fuck and they want a top ten pick to get one of the five quarterbacks that's coming out. I in Arizona, I don't know with Kyler how hurt he is. But they should win. What was the spread, two? Two points, yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, they should win by a field goal. I'll take Arizona. All right. Next up, Dino. We've got the San Francisco 49ers getting seven points and heading to Los Angeles to play the Rams. If there was anything less than seven, it's a no-brainer. Um... Yeah, I think it's a strange matchup because uh, the 49ers won a bye week and Los Angeles played on Monday night. Um, weird scheduling there by the NFL, uh, the TV channels, whoever decided to, to do that. Um, but I think the Rams are just a, a better team. They're playing better football. 49ers injuries are well documented, so... Seven points, another one of those where you, you, you toss it up, but I'll, I'll take the Rams as well. Uh, Billy? Yeah, this scheduling doesn't make any sense. I'm playing on Monday in San Fran, having a bye. It wouldn't surprise me to see this line go up throughout the week towards the eight, eight and a half, nine. I, yeah, I just can't take San Fran. They're just too hurt. I think the Rams are one of the sneaky good teams. I know I said that a couple pods ago, but I think they're one of the sneaky good teams in the NFC. I would take the Rams here. All right, CJ. Yeah, I'm going Rams as well. That defense, man, it's uh, it's 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 pretty stout defense. Uh, Jared Goff played really well last night. I know he threw two picks, but I mean, hell, for most of the night, he was he was on point. And 49ers have no offense, and uh, that defense is just gonna just gonna hold hold them in check, man. So. We're going, we're going Rams just on that alone. All right. Um, this is me, right? New Orleans laying five and a half, traveling down to Denver, or out to west to Denver, I should say. Um, both teams played up last week. I, I, I'm i going to take Denver getting the points and being at home here. Um, the, the Saints did play well with Taysom Hill. I think now you've got a week where you see the strategy there. Peyton's so smart, though. You never know when Jameis Winston could come in. The Saints are scary, man. But Denver's just played everybody tight. They're getting five and a half points, so I'll take the Broncos. Billy? Fuck Taysom Hill. 
He's my Ben Roethlisberger. Fuck Taysom Hill. He ain't no quarterback. Are you kidding me? I can't. I can't believe. I I can't believe they won that game last week. Playing him all day at quarterback. Like how bad do you have to be at defense to not know what's coming when he's playing quarterback? He's thrown the ball twenty times his whole career going into last week. He only missed five passes this week though. And he gets so much height and so. I think it dinos is Taysom Hill guy. Oh, yeah. I'm actually not a Taysom Hill guy. Oh, all right. All right. We agree on that one. I, you know what? I just can't pick Denver either because I don't think Drew Locke's any good. I, I think New Orleans gets it done here, but I think it's defense and Alvin Kamara. Taking the Saints? Yeah. Okay. CJ. Yeah, I was surprised at how Taysom Hill plays. Played so well, you know? But uh, it's more so about that New Orleans defense than it is about who plays a quarterback. Like, they, they they started off really, really bad at the beginning of the year, and now they're like the third-ranked overall defense, period. They held Tom Brady to three points, and they didn't let Atlanta score any touchdowns. They kicked three field goals. That's pretty fucking impressive. At least two games out of the year that you didn't let anybody score any touchdowns on I don't remember what the score was in San Francisco with the 49ers, but I know they didn't get a lot. But it's more so the Saints defense, and if, if Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill scares me just because he'll turn the ball over. You know, it's like there's been plenty of Saints games that I've watched. I'm a Saints fan, so, you know, it's all for the, it's all about the Houdat Nation. But either he'll throw the pick or he'll overthrow. He's, like, inaccurate that way if he gives too much arm. But he fumbles a lot, so that's, you know, I don't know. But I do think, you know, Kamara, uh, Tavius Murray, they've got him there. Uh, if it comes down to that, I think they can ground and pound this game out. And uh, what the hell if they have Taysom Hill in there, too, and they get towards the goal line, you know? They'll just go up the middle with that shit. So, uh, but yeah, Saints, Saints are a good team, man. I think they they were my Super Bowl pick. It was them in Kansas City at the beginning of the year, so... But that defense is where it's at. That defense is just on lock right now. And Drew Locke, I don't think, is going to get shit on him. So, who that all the way? All right, Dino. I thought I was going to be alone on this. Um, probably wrong, but I'm going to take Denver. Because they play teams tough, I think Taysom Hill's going to be feeling himself a little bit. They kind of have that, oh, I had a really good first game. And you're going to see a slow the second game. That's what I'm saying. Um, I'm actually going to take Denver here. All right. Um... I haven't ruled out the fact that Jameis Winston might start this game or might come into this game at some point. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if you saw him rather early. Really how that goes. So I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mentioned that as well. So who knows? I'm all for Jameis coming in and throwing three pick sixes. That's fine with me. <laughs> I love it. Billy, we got Kansas City late. It's that Bruce Arians offense, man. All right. They were sitting there today. Listen, I was listening to him talk about under Bruce Arians, you know, like Carson Palmer threw his most interceptions in his career. Uh, who the hell else was it? It was like two other guys that threw. threw. 
sounds like somebody that's making an excuse because Brady's thrown a bunch this year. Well, that's <laughs> they, were, they, were throwing, they were throwing that out there, and they were like, Brady's, Brady's got, what, nine? He's he, on pace people just can't game. accept the fact that Brady's just doesn't, he just doesn't have it. All right, well, speaking of Tom, that, speaking of Tom oh, Brady, I let's get in. That, hey, guys. I have no... Let's get I into it here. I'm with trying the... to defend. I'm trying to defend Jameis Winston. Those dubs, baby. Okay. I don't give a fuck about Tom Brady. Tom Brady is not the goat. Take that shit to the bank. Fuck him and his six Super Bowls. It was all Belichick. It had nothing to do with that son of a bitch. Hey, we're we're, we're tight on time here, guys. But we got to get into it. Give me Kansas City in this next game, Dave. Let's get it. Kansas City minus three and a half. So you're going Kansas City against Tampa. Land three and a half. All right, CJ. Yeah, yeah we're going KC. Fuck Tampa Bay. Dino. Can I take a break just to discuss? <laughs> 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 I'm also going the Chiefs. Uh, I think they blow them out. Um, all right, back on track. We we did we, we talked a lot about that one off off of it, but let's get on track here. Chicago is getting eight and a half points on Sunday Night Football, and they're going to Green Bay. CJ, you get to lead this one off. I don't know. You fucking, I don't know. Give me the Packers just because the Bears have no offense. The Packers have no defense. But the Packers have Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. The fucking Packers. All right, Dino. Three words. Fuck the Bears. All right. I, uh, eight and a half points is a lot for the division rivalry. Weather could play a factor. We don't know for sure. I'll take the Bears in the points, even though all signs point to Green Bay just housing them. But I'll take the Bears in the points. Billy? Yeah, I think Green Bay should house them here. Eight and a half is a tough number to pass up, though, especially with that good of a defense of Chicago. I, Aaron, I, Aaron Rodgers, prime time. I'll, I'll take Green Bay. All right, Monday Night Football. Seattle laying five and a half, traveling to Philadelphia. Dino, this is you. I don't know why I want to the Eagles, but I just can't bring myself to do it. Give me the Seahawks. I'm also going Seattle. Another weird scheduling by the NFL. They play it on a Thursday, and then they get the extra break going into Monday. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll take Seattle. I, th- I think this is a game they, they can win by. Phillies play people tight, but I think this is a game that Seattle needs. Billy. No, going into last Thursday, they had lost three or four, and Russ just wasn't playing that good. Um, I think they may have found the groove against Arizona, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they blow Philly out of the water. I'll take Seahawks. All right, CJ. Yeah, I'm going. Uh, I'm going Seattle here too. Their defense is their defense played pretty good last week. Uh, who the hell did they get? They got somebody. I can't remember who the hell they got to put on Dun, the defense. Dunlap. Yeah, yeah, Dunlap. That's who they got, Dunlap. And, uh, yeah, I think he might have made a difference for him. So, yeah, we're going to go We're gonna go Seahawks just because Carson Wentz is a turnover machine. And if they put Jalen Hurts in, it might give him a better chance, you know. But I don't think they're going to bench, yeah. bench, bench Wentz until it's too far gone. So, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's going to be an interesting game for sure with with the spread being five and a half. But as we get to the Monday night, what's our tiebreaker points, guys? 44. 
Alright, I got 41, CJ Dino. I'm going uh, 52. Alright. 40. 40? Alright. Um, and then our, uh, our, our parlay is I'm going to take Kansas City, I'm going to take Minnesota, and I'm going to take the Rams, and I'll put my money where my mouth is with, uh, with the Cowboys. You know, losing a parlay on a Thursday sounds so exciting that I think I'm going to join you. I'm going to take Houston. We go Cleveland, Minnesota, and Seattle with it. All right. CJ Dino. All right. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Vegas. I'm gonna go Steelers. I'm going Giants. I'm going Rams. And Dino. I go uh, Vegas, New York, uh, Giants, um, Houston, and Miami. All right. That's it for week 12, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully uh, hopefully, somebody gets a parlay one of these weeks. My God, it's going to be legal in Michigan here soon, and it'd be nice. I know, and Tua's going to put the finishing touches on it. <laughs> All right. Well, have any final comments on your Tua-PJ Walker battle or any other quarterback for that matter? I'm good this week. <laughs> right. I got fucked on Brady. Amen. All right.